Location 9. Being in Nature. You have wandered off into thoughts, even while this walk is ought to have been more of a meditation. Let's try, you tell yourself. Obviously, no such meditation in nature can start without a quote from Goethe. Nature. We are surrounded by her and locked in her clasp, powerless to leave her and powerless to come closer to her. Unasked and unwarned, she takes us up into the well of her dance and hurries on with us till we are weary and full from her arms. She creates new forms without end. What exists now never was before. What was comes not again. All is new and yet always the old. We live in the midst of her and are strangers. She speaks to us unceasingly and betrays not her secret. We are always influencing her and yet can do her no violence. Individuality seems to be all her aim and she cares naught for individuals. She is always building and always destroying and her workshop is not to be approached. And so, you start to be in your environment, to merge, so to say. At afar, something might appear through the trees, reference points that lock your location as the centerpiece within the triptych of culture. You recognize antenna, air trails, concrete tips that shimmer in atmospheric interference, breaking light into a miasma of unreal forms that you nevertheless can easily recode into the contours of a city. This composition makes up the Madonna of contemporary life, whom lovingly but apathetically nurture you as its dead child to the tune of the psalm of the eternal life within death. You recognise how things work, realise not everything is relative and that some souls might need to be forbidden to have an opinion. You are so used to the defensive contrapposto of life that even birds trigger your anxiety. But you know so, you are aware. That does not take away the anxiety wholly. There is a gap between mental faculties and the world on which we apply those even though we counterintuitively think otherwise. As Jerry Fodor notes, an illusion remains seen even though we now know we see an illusion. The way one sees the world is largely independent of one's theoretical attachments. You realise that, luckily, the world is not just what you see as the world. However, that awareness you occupy helps, as a postmodernist helps to relativise things that, regardless of being now called relative, still are issues, but cease to be approached as such. That helps indeed. It calms you that you know even here in the enclaves of nature, you will feel as bad as anywhere else. However, you are not one of those urban hipsters that are really too post-everything. You are, or try to be, in the here and now, and do not feel the urge to go beyond this state, not just yet at least, or perhaps not even later or ever. You'll see. Well then, meditations. You try to remember what you have seen people do whilst amidst what they lovingly term nature.
you take a big breath in, look into a patch of sky and violently breathe out amidst a groan, as if you have just hunted and are recovering breath, knowing that you have caught a prey, or at least conscious of the fact you don't need to have caught a prey. Supermarkets do that now. You take another deep breath. It feels nice. From up you go down and you double tie your walking shoes, pulling the laces just too tight and then loosening them a bit again. These shoes have been renowned for their indestructible PFAS coated exterior that should be able to transverse any wilderness so bare that no subliminal romanticist has seen it before. Or rather, nobody has ever seen it before apart from the profit-driven fantasies of marketeers. Although a catastrophe, the experience of nature is somewhat boring. Catastrophe is boring. Alongside, you know there is not really any need to leave the set paths. It does not really spike wanderlust or whatever, because it is more of a burden to clean those shoes once home again than it is to destroy them anyhow through your convinced steps. You nod hello to those passers-by that have similar brightness in their eyes and awkwardly look at the ground in front of you when one passes who is indeed disturbed and mostly self-consciously conflictingly annoyed by the amount of people in the forest these days. It's bad for nature, you hear them think. The silence here is, luckily, broken by the ignorant bird chattering their horniness throughout a forest that seems to fade as if it were a big empty space only to be responded to by a homogenous sound that could just as well have been its own echo. Can birds be aroused by their own chatter, you wonder? How do they distinguish between identities? Whilst the last passerby cannot be heard anymore, your world shrinks back to an agonising synchrony with you and there, with here and now, and beyond is just a continuation of the same in a different configuration. The forest is ornated with so many paths, although a grandeur in miniature of human engineering, lined with semi-soft gravel that toughens through trembling steps, which decreases upkeep costs but still allows water to pass through which is good for the groundwater level, that is supported by an alliance of small locks in the countryside not too far in any direction. This grandeur of the county's engineer only enhances the emerging feel of wonder. You don't know where to go, because you know too well where to go. There are too many roads to take. Signs point in all directions, colour-coated only for those exorbitant naturists who can decipher their code, even though they are so familiar with this area that they don't need them anymore to fare well. You think back of that awkward encounter of just yet. When the amount of traffic increases, it is obvious to build extra roads, you conclude, more ways to avoid each other. But you also know that it is true that more roads once more create extra traffic, 
and worst of all, confuse traffic as you consider yourself now. But that is all fine. Keep the steps firm and it at least doesn't look too uncertain. The experience of nature comes with quite an etiquette. This is precisely how the forest is utilised these days, you think? Through extensive culturing of feet, to create a simulated sense of deriva, organising getting lost. Above all, there is no being lost if there is not something to be lost from, that is, without organising. However, one thing remains true, and that is that any road whatsoever always leads out of nature. Not because it leads anywhere in general, but because it overcomes nature. It paves over it, obviously, making the surrounding like a safari park through which you cruise to excite a primitive synchrony, whilst experiencing, in a subliminal sense, not being part of it, whilst confusingly being part of it necessarily. Yes. This is how people tell themselves we should rejoice with nature. You think back of that awkward encounter of just yet once more. The sense of lone exemplified by the awkward encounter of just yet draws you to relink, not to nature, but to culture. Although you have really tried to keep it tucked away, you even moved it from your pocket to your backpack, you reach your arm backward in the hope you don't have to take off your backpack to reclaim your phone from the fictional Faraday cage on your back, shielding you from the Marxian great metabolic rift, a rift that produces, as he argued, nature as purely an object for humankind, purely a matter of utility, ceases to be recognised as a power for itself and the theoretical discovery of its autonomous laws appear merely as a ruse to subjugate it under human needs, whether as an object of consumption or as a means of production. Although you reached the zipper, the inversion of movement you have to encompass does not stand up to just taking it off. It just feels unnatural. Funny how something cultural can feel unnatural, even whilst it is our most natural tendency. You take your backpack off and admit to grabbing your phone. Once you have reached your pace again, you unlock it. No new messages. No walk through nature can exist without a registration of it, of which the epistemological value rises if you are indeed within the frame of the picture you are to take. Making good photographs is hard. You know that, although you remind yourself of arguing to a friend that photographers should not be paid by what a baboon who snagged a camera and accidentally flicked the trigger could do as well. You frame and reframe, and once more, you stop walking. That might help. You remember a course you followed for your work, something about representation and being charismatic. 
Holding the phone beneath the height of your chin warps your head and makes you look like a boomer. Worse! However, those objects in your background are much taller than you. Hence, you look at the composition with so many verticals in what it draws, or perhaps should draw, attention to. You choose to move the phone beyond this chin-level criterion. Fuck it! You frame and reframe once more, and take a picture with the sunlight hitting you from the side of your face. You took about five pictures. They are not all too great, but one might work to send to your pals at least. You feel you don't have to act any differently when you are around them. But sometimes you do feel you have to act differently when you are not around them.